0: This is Indie Business Podcast, Season 4, Episode 4, Martha Stewart, American Made. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I'm your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. On this episode, I will introduce you to Kim and Brett Borup of Paper Bandit Press in Provo, Utah. Brett is a college professor, and he and Kim have reinvented themselves as letterpress professionals, making unique handmade greeting cards, posters, and custom paper products. It all started when their daughter lost her job as a designer and Kim and Brett saw an opportunity to help her. As you'll hear in this episode, they put their heads together and did so much more than that. They started a business. Paper Bandit Press is a 2015 Martha Stewart American Made finalist and you can vote for them and the other finalists until October 17th. There's a link to the voting page in the show notes for this podcast at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. You will love hearing Kim's trade show tips and Brett's description of how he takes a design and turns it into a beautiful paper product. You'll also enjoy their tips for creating a community of makers in your own local area. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 40. I can't wait to introduce you to Kim and Brett Borup of Paper Bandit Press in Provo, Utah. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Indie Business Network, the trade organization I created to help makers and handmade entrepreneurs attract more buying customers and sell their products with confidence. We also offer product liability insurance, so it's easier for you to get your products into shows and retail stores. If you're a maker, you will love knowing about my Connection Day Maker Mastermind events in local towns and cities across the country. These are day-long events where I work with you personally in a small group setting to help you set and achieve your highest business goals and priorities. So far, I've hosted them in Atlanta, New York City, and Portland, Oregon. I'll soon announce my tour schedule for next year. And to find out when I'll be coming to a city near you, just go to MakerMastermind.com. I'm so excited to introduce you to Kim and Brett Borup of Paper Bandit Press in Provo, Utah. Welcome to Indie Business Podcast, Kim and Brett Borup of Paper Bandit Press in Provo, Utah. So excited to have you here today.
1: Well, We're happy to be with you.
0: And you guys are a husband-wife team. So, you know, that always intrigues me. And I want to get to that quickly. But first, I want to know, like, where are you right now? We, we can work our businesses from so many different places these days. Uh, Kim, tell us where you are right now.
2: We're in our home. We're in our home office. Our studio space is in our home. So it's really convenient for us. Keeps the expenses down, but it makes it so we can work any time of the day or night. So we
0: like it. And I love that you said that you can work any time of the day or night. That's a good thing. Is is it ever like, do you sometimes wish you weren't so close to it? That do you ever get a hankering to go make something at three a.m. and maybe that's probably not what you should do.
2: <laughs> oh, we like it. We don't. Good. We don't do it if we don't like it. So <laughs> we like that flexibility.
0: Oh, I love that you said that. Okay, so right off the bat, we don't do it if we don't like it. So there must be a story behind this business that somehow fits into that sort of mindset. Can can one of you take the lead there and tell me the story of how Paper Bandit Press came to be?
2: Our daughter uh, is a graphic designer. She was designing for another company. And she designed along with another two set of girls that design as a team that designed for us. And a couple years ago, just out of the blue, they were told, we don't need you anymore. Our company has taken a totally different direction. We just want to do our own designs. The owner is a designer. and So they were shocked because their designs were really successful. And my degree is in business, so I said, well, you know, you are successful with these designs, and so why don't we have someone else print them and I'll handle the business side for you, because they're moms and then can't handle that end of things. And And so, so
1: when when Kim decided she could market this stuff, I thought, well, why don't we learn how to print it ourselves, too, if we're going to be doing this? So and I've always kind of wanted to learn a real craft, something that you have to practice and you have to learn and you have to master. And letterpress printing is one of those things. So it's just kind of a natural for me. I'm an engineer by trade and the machines that we use, you know, just I love them. And so we just thought, well, let's let's learn to print, too. So that's how we started.
0: So there's there's another person here that I'm not getting a chance to talk to today. Your daughter. (laughs) Yes,
1: true. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So
0: it all started, you know, you know, it's so interesting these days that so many of these awesome business stuff like yours start somehow with someone losing a job somewhere.
1: (laughs) That's really true, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is, and so Brett, I'm really curious. You you never used a letterpress before, and like, you just decided I'm gonna I'm not only gonna help sell this, I'm gonna make it.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I, I by uh, my full time job right now is I'm a professor at a university. I teach environmental engineering, and the university offered a couple of classes in letterpress, so I just. Started taking a couple classes, and we're fortunate enough to have a couple other letterpress printers that are really good here in town. And so I got advice from them, and we just kind of went from there. I just, we're just kind of the kind of people it's like, hey, we could learn that, you know, why not? So we tried it. You are the
2: art background. My husband loves photography and ISO and he does stained glass and woodworking and we just have all kinds of interests. So we've kind of collected all these interests and have used them for our business. So
0: you could have you could have a business for every room in your house with all of your <laughs> your of interests. God, we've taken over. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like stained glass in this room and letterpress in this room. So so that's really great. So and and I love Brett how you you know you kind of looked around you and you know went well, I'm going to do this. What's what's the lowest hanging fruit to learn how to do it? Let me open up the course catalog and see if there's a class on it. And bam, yeah,
1: that's pretty much how it happened. Uh,
0: so you've brought all this together, your uh, Brett, your love for making things and learning new things and Kim's business background and your daughter's uh, talent obviously, for creating the designs. and everybody comes together and you have this family business.
2: Yeah, we also have another daughter who is a photographer and she shoots a lot of our stylized catalog shots. In fact, she's teaching on Creative Live right now. And we have been watching her all day. We're glued. We think, how did she get so talented? But
0: it, of course, we see? know how she got so talented. Clearly, <laughs> um, it's her parents. So, you, um, Kim, do you have an, an another job outside of Paper Bandit and and being a, a wife and a mom as well? Or it's not Our that kids that's are grown. So yeah. we
2: have um, an empty. We're in empty nesters. Uh, I quit my job and Uh that's what we used to start this job. Um, I had enough in my 401k that we could uh, start this business and finance it and it wasn't money that we needed for retirement, it was just taking care of um, our employer's match and so I was at the age where I could take it out without paying penalties, I just had to pay taxes on it so we used that to start up so it was just perfect.
0: And that, that money, I guess, came in handy to buy the equipment that you need, the, the pressing machines. Yes. Wonderful. So, um, you know, I mean, you've been a, a professor at a university, Brad, and Kim, you had another job. I mean, is this something that you sort of thought one day will do something like this? Or is this just really kind of flow organically, you know, moment by moment for you when you started?
1: Well, we really had no intention of, of doing this. Yeah. And it just kind of happened. Yeah, the flow organically—that yeah. describes it pretty well, actually. Just things just kind of fell into place, and yeah, and we—you know—started with a desire to just help our daughter out, you know, and it just went from there.
0: <laughs> the things our children get us into, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but I have to say, my husband's parents are very artistic. His mom does jewelry; she still does at age 87, do jewelry and sells it um, at shows. So uh, his parents did a lot of fine arts, craft fairs, juried fairs, and we helped them set up and traveled around with them. So we, we kind of were in there anyway in the artsy world. Yeah, we love of, it. Kind
1: of been in our blood.
0: Now, now, you all are finalists in the Martha Stewart American Made Awards, and you are in the crafts category. Tell us how you found out about that award opportunity and what was the application process like for you and how are things going?
1: You know, actually, I think it was, it was one of our daughters that yes. said, hey, you know, Martha Stewart does this thing. And, and actually, one of our daughters ran into a, a lady who was a former editor of Martha Stewart magazine. And she had told this lady our story. And she said, you know, Martha Stewart would be interested in this. <laughs> and, and they wrote back to us and said, hey, we are interested. You really ought to enter. They asked us to enter the, the Martha Stewart American Made thing. So, so we did and it's been going pretty well you know we're kind of small fish in a large pool and so there are not a lot of people who know about us but I think it's going pretty well
0: well we're going to try and tell more people about you and you know um, but the thing is too is that you you know small fish I guess we could all sort of define that differently but um, regardless of your size, you're really, really important because, as you know, the, the, you know, the economy that we're coming out of, supposedly coming out of, I guess we could debate about how to phrase that, but, um, you know, and your daughter's situation and um, e- even even your situation, kind of just wanting to do something different. And Kim, you're kind of reinventing the way you generate income from having a job to doing this. It's just, um, you know, these small businesses like the ones you have are, Maybe small in size when you compare them to large companies, but really not small in any way really at all because of the contribution that you're making, the stories that you have, how you're bringing your family together. I mean, all of these things are important and you have these awesome um, products that I'm looking at at your website at paperbanditpress.com where you you do the cards and t-shirts. Tell us a little bit about exactly how you create one of these products and what do you offer?
1: Well well first of all thank you we appreciate those comments but you know as far as our kind of process goes as we mentioned we have a couple of designer teams one's our daughter and then there's a, two other ladies that work for us and um they put together designs it's all done on the computer letterpress right now is this really interesting process where it takes advantage of both the old and the new And uh, so they design on the computer, they use Adobe products to design, and they send us electronic files, they come up with these very creative slogans and graphics to go along with it, they're very unique to letterpress, and they send us the, the, the designs, we send it off to a person who makes a photopolymer plate that we can print from, it comes back and we buy big huge sheets of paper and cut them up and... Print the cards up and cut them and fold them, and then Kim has packaged every one of them by hand. And we've done we think 50 or 60 thousand of them now
2: (laughs) in the last couple of years. That
1: she has folded herself and put in a you know plastic envelope, the sleeve. So that's that's pretty much the process. We also make um, some art prints and posters, and it's pretty much the same idea, just bigger.
0: And And how do you look at potential designs and turn some down and keep others? what do you What do you look for when you find the ones that you actually want to sell, or do you just sell them all?
2: No, we don't sell them all. Um, we We really rely on our daughter and this other team, and so most of what they give us we take, but we have occasionally some guest designers or people who will submit designs and then we just decide as a team what we think is really sellable. Um, Birthday is the number one seller, so if it's a good birthday card, then for sure we're going to go with it. And there's some designs that I say, oh, no, I don't think this is going to work, and it turns out into a number one design. So you just try to be open and really trust our artists and their experience, and um, so we've we've done some of that too.
1: One of the things that we've learned is You know, there's somebody out there for almost everything. You might make something that you don't like so much, but there may be a huge market out there for the people that do like it. And it's really hard to tell. We've had some cards we printed that we think, well, we'll try this, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And and they just become big sellers. You just just never know. At least we haven't gotten very good at recognizing that yet.
0: And... Go ahead, oh, Kim.
2: Say the other thing. in letterpress is sometimes it can get a little um, wordy. There's some bad language, and that's not our standard at all. So we, we don't go there at all. But we, our, all our cards are clean.
1: Yeah, we have this. We have an aesthetic that we want, and also we have some standards that we hold things to. And we like our our cards. If you look at them, they're a little bit snarky and kind of funny, but they're not rude. They, we try not to push that envelope too far.
0: Well, I think you actually do a really good job of balancing that because, for example, I'm reading birthdays are cool enough, I guess. So it's sort of like, you know, we're celebrating your birthday and we're telling you that, you know, we think it's cool without insulting you. We're saying it in a way that kind of makes everyone go, well, I guess you're cool enough. So,
1: um, yeah. and, You know, basically what we want to do is produce something that makes people happy. Yeah, that, that's kind of our standard. Yeah. You want people to look at this stuff and smile. Yes. And, you know, it might be a laugh out loud kind of thing. And it might just be, oh, wow, that's kind of nice, you know. Yes. And,
0: and what a great goal to have a business that makes people smile. And um, so many of the um, finalists in the Martha Stewart Awards, you know, I, I can't get off of the website. I'm, uh, It's like a magazine. You don't want to leave. And it's so much fun to see these uh, amazing products are your um, is your business model retail off your website or wholesale? How how do you sell your products?
2: Most of our business is wholesale. We go to the national stationery show and pick up our, uh, a lot of our accounts there. And we have some reps that sell for us in the Northwest so most of our business is wholesale, but we do retail. We have an Etsy wholesale and retail website, and we have our own wholesale and retail rep. So, so we sell off of all of those.
1: And then we occasionally do an arts and crafts fair. We don't do that very much. We're pretty picky about the ones that we go to, but um, they've worked, the ones we've gone to have, been, have done really well for us. So we do that once in a while.
0: And, and probably done really well in part because obviously your products are great, but because you're picky, right, all of all of them don't work for all product lines. So I'm sure you're, you know, picking and choosing very carefully as you say there. Um, Kim,
1: tell I me. A, oh, go ahead. I might just mention that's exactly right. It's kind of funny. Letterpress has a market. And like Kim's parents came to our house one day and they were looking at the cards we printed and they were like, why would you want to buy these? I can go down to the drugstore and buy a card for a dollar. And, and we we'll, we're not after that market, the people that don't understand, you know, like, this is a real handcrafted item that had, there's some beauty in that handcrafted idea. So
0: and I totally agree with you and see where you're coming from. And I think more and more people are appreciating that. Um, and you know, that this maker movement is on fire, and I see no signs of it slowing down because people just don't only want what you can get at the corner store, there's a place for that. Um, but gee, why buy that when if you have a special friend or a special occasion, you can get really something special that no one else, you know, has down the street. So um, exactly. I, I love that you said that too, Brett, because so many, um, so many of us and, and, you know, business owners in general, but makers in particular, really sort of struggle with that. Um, you know, how do I differentiate myself and how do I make this special when I have to raise my price your 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 card is not the twenty five cent card that I can get you know at the store down the street. it's something more special than that What is the the mindset process that you have gone through to embrace that kind of approach?
1: Well, that's a really good question, and I'm not sure exactly the answer to it, but I think of a, lot of a lot of it. Just has there's a lot of emotion and a lot of pride in craftsmanship that goes into what we do, hmm. and I think it kind of shows through and it resonates with some people. And those are the people we want to market to, the people who really appreciate that kind of thing. And you know, one of the things we're doing in our business is we're kind of preserving an old craft that has really kind of gone away. It used to be everything that was printed was printed on a letterpress printer. But offset printing and these big, huge manufacturing processes have taken over where these old presses used to be. They don't make letterpresses anymore. And so we feel like we're kind of keeping that art alive, and that really kind of motivates us.
0: And Kim, what what are your tips and ideas for helping people decide on trade shows? How do you... I mean, there's so many to choose from and then you have to get ready and you have to do it and follow I me. Mean, what, what are your words of wisdom and advice for people who are, you know, they've got a great product. They found a couple of trade shows they think would be good for them. And they're looking at, you know, thousands of dollars, including the travel and the hotel and everything. What are your tips for helping them um, make that move?
2: Uh, It is really expensive to go to trade shows, and I don't think we would have gone if not if our designers hadn't been there before us, because we have never even attended a trade show before we went to our first show. And I looked at, um, I researched and um, went on every webinar that the National Stationery Show offered, and that's where for us and our market in cards is the place to go. Um, There's just... Uh, so many people who know that show, and it's all stationary people, so you know you're in the right market. And so that's where we just decided to jump in. Now we're researching other shows, and we look at other people who are in letterpress to see how well they've done, to see if they do the shows again. Um, and that's kind of how you can gauge if the show would work for you. Um, and so that's
1: what we've been working on there. Luckily, the, the letterpress industry is pretty amiable and open and we can talk to friends that are other letterpress printers and and ask them how they did, and they're very open and honest about, yeah, this was good or this wasn't. and um, That's a lot of how we work now, is just getting advice from other printers.
2: That being said, we know people who have gone to the stationery show and haven't placed one order, so no one ordered from them, and that's really tough. You kind of have to do your homework ahead of time. There's a lot to do besides just going to the show, and that would be a whole other webinar in itself because there's just a lot of pre-show work that you want to do and then working the show and then post-show work. Right. And so it's nice to do some local fairs um, to try and find out if your stuff is selling, if it is appealing to people. It's nice to approach some of the local stores that are around you to see how well, and they'll give you feedback. They will, if you ask them, they'll, you know, just tell them I'm new in the business. You know, how do these cards appeal to you? What should I do differently? They'll tell you, they've been great working with us, our local um, retailers.
0: That's such a great suggestion to, um, as part of your preparation and your investigation to do the smaller shows, the smaller local shows and start seeing how people do respond when they come up to your booth and you don't have that big investment I'm sorry for the people who go and don't sell anything and it makes me think that maybe they could do a webinar on what not to do um (laughs) um, you know because so we
2: first signed up for the stationery show we had 13 cards on our website you have to give them your website and they came back to us and said um we, you need to have at least 50 designs. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be the right, you know, cause it's a big investment. And we said, we, we will, we know we have them. We really believed in our designers and they had so much experience before that we were pretty positive that we would put our money down and that it would work out. And so we worked hard and it did work out really well that first show. And part of it for us was getting some recognition with the greeting card association. We applied to, um, we put in our cards for Louis Awards, and the first year we were finalists for, I think, three in three, two or three divisions. And this last year was our second year at the Stationary Youth Show, but it was our second year in business, and um, we won two Louis Awards, and we were finalists in five areas. So that was huge for us to get that recognition from our peers
0: congratulations um I don't know Brett I'm about to disagree with that small fish thing you were telling me about (laughs) I'm not I'm not feeling that at all anymore um how do you market your products online I know you said you have an Etsy store and you I'm at your website now looking at uh the you know the links where I can purchase how do you get and you have a blog as well how do you get people to come to your website do you use social media what's your strategy there
1: we do. We're we're a little bit old, you know, and we're trying to keep keep up with the social media thing, but since what we're doing is pretty visual, we've found that Instagram is a, is a really nice tool for us. And we we try to post almost every day something on Instagram, and we have a link in our profile to our website, and we try to drive people to our website from our Instagram account. And we're slowly building up a following in Instagram and um, I, I think it's worked out pretty well. But right and and we we link to Facebook and to Twitter from our Instagram account, but we don't really do much special on either of those. You know, I feel like I'm doing pretty good learning Instagram and it's worked out pretty well.
0: No, I mean you, you can You're, 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 you're making me laugh here. Okay, because I, um, number one, let me just tell you, you just increased your follower count by one on Instagram. But let me, let me also tell you, Brett, um, to your small fish theory, that you have 4,624 Instagram followers, which is like, big fish to a lot of makers that I know. So um you know and I see that you're very active too and your your colors you have lots of color and um you know obviously the use of of a lot of color and uh hashtags too obviously helps. So um so that's what you have found Instagram and believe, you know, of course, Instagram didn't like, did not exist probably when you got started your business. I don't know exactly when that was, but
2: well, actually, we've only yeah. been in business for two years. So, yeah. okay. So
0: in- Instagram, it may have existed two years ago, but I don't know. Was anyone using it? I don't really think so. Um, until really
1: starting a little out. bit.
0: Yeah. And I guess until Facebook purchased it and then um, everyone went, Ooh, they paid what billion dollars for it. Okay. So we better go over there and check that out. So, Um, So
2: photographs are really important.
0: The other way that
2: we've been able to drive people to our site is in almost every field there are uh, professional magazines. For us it's Stationery Trends and um, there's Giftware News, Uppercase, we love Uppercase. So we were featured in Uppercase um, and that was really nice. And then uh, all those magazines have uh, deadlines that you could submit for free. Free PR basically. If you have a good photograph, they need something to put in their magazine. So um, we have paid for advertising before, but you can also um, do those editorial submissions and get your works in that way. And we've been pretty successful with there because my husband's a pretty talented photogra- photographer, and so is our daughter. So
0: so do you, do you? How do how do you find out the editorial deadlines and where where do you go to get that information? They're happy.
2: Find any publication. You can find it within the publication. You can find it online and you just ask them for their calendar and they'll give it to you freely because they are happy to have those submissions.
0: So you're saying you you don't ask for a story. You don't ask to be featured in a story. You just say, what's your editorial uh, calendar like? You find some place where they're uh, Going to feature, you know, like I don't know, a page with ten products on it or whatever, yeah. and you
2: maybe they're looking for uh, baby cards or baby yeah. cards or something specific, and then you can yeah. submit any pictures that you have, stylized photos that would fit into that.
0: So, um, do you do you submit the actual product or do you just submit a photo or do you just follow their instructions? Oh, just pictures. You okay, have
2: to have good photos, high quality photos,
0: very good. And so, and you trace business directly back to that as well.
2: Yes. Yes, because they actually um, then ask, they put little numbers on all of the photos, and then you, as a subscriber, s- circle how many you want information from, and they actually give us that feedback. So we'll get. Um,
0: and they don't charge you for that? No, no. What that's a wonderful service. I mean, that's a nice exchange. It's like yeah. nobody's getting anything for free. You're getting. They're getting content for their publication that's colorful and beautiful, and they don't have to hunt it down. It's and, definitely a win-win. Yeah, and you're getting more visibility for your brand.
2: Right.
0: Well, it just sounds like so much fun. I want how much is a letterpress? Can I get one? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, there has been increasing interest lately and all the letterpressers are all complaining cuz press prices are going way yeah. up, you know. Oh,
0: uh, so I better get it now before yeah.
1: before yeah. they go through. They just they don't make these machines anymore, you know. Our we have two presses. One of them was made in the I, I think they were probably both made in the 1950s or one of might have been one might have been in the 40s. So they're they're kind of vintage machines that are hard to find parts for and um, anyway, but,
0: but you may you managed money. to do that. I, I wonder if the industry continues to grow if someone won't decide to go ahead and make them. And you know, <laughs> you never know. There, um,
1: there is actually one company that does now make them, but it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy one if you buy a new one. So it's right kind of out of the league of most people,
0: right? Right. So you guys are in at the beginning of the resurgence of something that is historic in many ways, you know, printing, um, and you're bringing together all these different facets of your personality, of your professional background, of your family, and really of of fun, like, like, you know, coming full circle, Kim said, we don't do anything we don't want to do. So I mean, how could you how could you not love that for your life? I never do anything I don't want to do.
2: Well, I say that, but I I don't really like the shipping part, or you, you know, you get tired of paying bills or going through accounts. There's stuff that you don't that you don't exactly like that is part of running a business. But there are so many positive things that we love. One of our um, business models that we wanted to do from the beginning, we wanted to be environmentally friendly. That was huge to us. My husband's an environmental engineer, and the other one is to be able to give back. And that is something we feel strongly about. And so 20% of our our net profit um, goes to um, nonprofit charities.
1: We really like
2: to it to our local food bank and things like that. So that's really important to us too. And I think those are the blessings that come of, of giving to others that you just get it back. It comes back somehow.
0: Yeah. And I guess sometimes it makes it not so, uh, so dreadful to have to do the few things that we don't like because the payoff and the things that we do like counterbalances it so well.
2: The other thing that we really love is being able to meet other artists. We just love, we, we have some local community groups of people that we meet with. It's just so fun to rub shoulders with all those artists. Our latest um friends are Candace and Andy and they just had their new network debut on DYI. They rehab old houses, remodel them and it's just so fun to meet those people and be a part of their lives too.
0: So Kim, how do those those meetups form? Are they do you or is this a chamber of commerce thing? How, how do you, can you share some tips? for people in other communities? How do you form these things? What do you do? Do you have food to attract people? How do you, well, food always attracts people, right? Do you have <laughs> an event? Is it, how do you create these communities of artists in your local area?
2: We just had a group of artists that started it and one person just head, head heads it up and um, our city is behind us. And so they let us meet at the Provo Rec Center um, for free, and it's actually put uh, televised to a local station. Anyone is welcome to come, whether you're an artist or not. We meet once a month, um, and it has just been great. We have different speakers talk about different aspects of business or their stories, and it's just amazing to meet those other people. And you get a lot of synergy and hookups with other people that you can work with, and it's just exciting. And it's nice to support other artists too.
0: It is. And, and I love hearing that because it's like an economy within an economy yep. Um, and fun and exciting. And you learn something new and you're always constantly challenging yourself. And, um, you know, this is just fantastic. So we need to let everyone know how to buy your products. We go to paperbanditpress.com and we, um, you know, need to go to com forward slash American Made. And then we can search on Paper Bandit, and we can also search on your name as well, B-O-R-U-P, correct? That's correct,
1: yes.
2: And we would love your votes. You can vote six times a day. and We would love them.
0: Yes, yeah, six times a day until October 17th, and you can follow them on Instagram and see some of these gorgeous... Um, pictures that I'm looking at, but and most of all, no matter where you are, you can go to paperbranditpress.com and buy some of these really beautiful cards. These are, you know, you've, you've you're as Brett just mentioned um, at the top of our show here. There's an emotional thing that happens here. This is not just any old card. There's a story here. There are feelings here. These cards are designed to really tap into your. Um, the the reservoir of feeling that you have for another person. It does a great job of that with all this color and the beautiful uh, fonts and everything. It's just very pretty. Congratulations to both of you and your daughter. Well, thank thank you you so much. much. Well, we'll be checking you out. Paperbanditpress.com. Thank you so much, Kim and Brett Borup, the founders, and your daughter. Hi out there. I hope you listen wherever you are. We're so glad that you lost your job. (laughs) I say that a lot these days um, because there's so many wonderful things we can do when we lose our jobs that we can't do if we have one. But anyway, thank you so much for joining Kim and Brett. We wish you the best in the Martha Stewart Awards and beyond. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Kim and Brett Borup of Paper Bandit Press in Provo, Utah. Let's wrap up some of the ideas and action steps here based on our conversation with them. Number one. Don't do anything you don't like. I love it when they said that. Of course, there's paperwork and accounting aspects to running a business that are less than fun. But as Kim says, when you love what you do, there's a great counterbalance to that. Working from home helps, as Kim mentioned. Number two, tap people's emotions. Kim and Brett eloquently expressed how paper Brand press does not really sell products, but instead sells an emotional connection from one human being to another that is expressed by their products. This is a principle that is central to the success of any business. The product is like a bridge to the result your customer will enjoy as a result of buying and using the product. That's a huge mindset shift for many handmade entrepreneurs and it's one you'll want to embrace sooner rather than later and also remind yourself of constantly. Number three, Prepare wisely before doing a trade show. There is so much to trade show success. Kim just shared a sliver of some of the tips that there are available that you need to really, really embrace. She shared the truth that most of the work in a trade show happens before and after the show, not during the show. As you prepare for your shows, take this into account. The buyers are there because they're already interested in products like yours, but filling orders is a relatively small amount of the work That goes into making a trade show a success. There are some great tips from Kim here. And then finally, number four, create local maker communities in your area. I love this idea, it is so in sync with the philosophy behind my Connection Day Maker Mastermind events to bring makers and handmade entrepreneurs together in their own cities. Across the country, your local community cares about the success of your business more than anyone. It's in the best interest of your town that you succeed. Gathering together in your own backyard, even if you have a mostly online business, opens doors that the internet simply cannot open. Take a tip from Kim and Brett and either start a meetup locally or find one and get involved. And don't forget to vote for Paper Bandit Press in the Martha Stewart American Made Awards. You can get all the links you need to vote for them and all of the other makers that we featured in this Martha Stewart American Made series at my website at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. And while you're there... Do click the link to go over to iTunes and rate this podcast. It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories I bring to you here on this broadcast. And it helps me to really get more visibility so more people can learn about them. I love the maker community and I'm so excited to be a part of it along with you. And it's just growing by leaps and bounds. It's so exciting to see. And I will see you next time on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder and create the life you love.